0: Hello and welcome to All Indians Matter, I'm Ashraf Engineer. When the COVID-19 pandemic hit and educational institutions had to be shut, classes were shifted online. Since then, it's been reported widely that millions of students were left behind because they didn't have adequate internet access or the devices required to attend classes. The plight of the students showed how poorly prepared the country was, but how did teachers go? Overnight, they had to adjust to a new medium. According to Unified District Information System for Education 2019-20 data, only one in four teachers in India was trained to use a computer for teaching. The share of such teachers was even lower in government schools. Also, there were wide disparities among states, with Gujarat training 57% of its teachers, while Madhya Pradesh had trained only 9%. With classes likely to go increasingly digital, even after things normalize fully, how can teachers be readied for a new age of education delivery? All Indians matter. We are on the show Siddharth Rajshekar, founder of the Internet Lifestyle Hub, one of the world's largest communities for coaches, trainers, teachers and experts with more than 10,000 members. Siddharth has trained more than 200,000 people over the past 10 years, working closely with renowned international experts like Robert Kiyosaki, T. Harv Ecker, Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy and Jack Canfield. Siddharth has developed the Freedom Business Model, which focuses on helping people take their expertise online and build a profitable digital coaching business. His mission is to reform the education and employment system by building a new breed of digital leaders. His first book, You Can Coach, is an international Amazon bestseller. Welcome to the show, Siddharth. Great to be here, Ashraf. Yes, thank you. Siddharth, when a teacher moves from classroom delivery to online platforms, it's a major shift. Could you detail that for our listeners?
1: Yes, one of my mentors, he says, it's not about what you teach. It's about the way you teach it. And more importantly, it is who you are as a person. And now if you look at the traditional system, you know, ever since uh, COVID came, it really showed the cracks in our current system itself, where, you know, many of the traditional teachers really had to get uh, equipped with the technology skills. They need to get equipped with looking to a camera and speaking where they would engage with an audience live. But now they had to adapt and keep the attention span. And uh, the other, you know, big challenge that many teachers would have faced is like how to create an impact. It's not just about giving knowledge, but how do you keep the attention span and how can they create an impact in that whole learning process? So we saw this, even I have a, you know, two boys, my first son is uh, doing, he was doing online school and I was seeing some teachers, he was engaged, some teachers, he was not engaged and he was doing other things and no chatting with other friends on Zoom in the side. So I think this, it really shows that right now we are moving into a world where having the skill of being able to teach using technology, it is no more an option. You know, it is something that every teacher needs to learn. They need to get upskilled. And I'm going to reiterate that it is not about your knowledge. It is not about how much you know. It's not about what you teach. It's about the way you teach it and keeping the attention span. So I think it's has uh, been an interesting time in the history of the world where now the teachers need to adapt themselves. And that's uh, what I've seen even in my community. Many traditional teachers, many traditional coaches who are doing offline, they had to really, you know, reinvent themselves for this online space.
0: You mentioned that your son, you know, was chatting with others on Zoom while the class is on. I hope none of his teachers are too late to this show.
1: <laughs> yes, they, they they know about it. Yes, they know about it. And we had a discussion also. I Even mean, they said it's the same pattern with most of their kids where they get zoned out. That's right. So yeah, that's I think many parents will be able to relate to that. Yeah. Uh, Could you also talk about the mental shift that's required? Yeah, the mental shift uh, is more to do with, you know, the response that teachers normally get in a classroom, like where there's more discipline and they're able to really, you know, control the room, but here there is no control. So how do you keep the control of the room and how do you really keep them engaged? Uh, What I've seen happen even in my, you know, community, when I do these calls, like 500, 600 people, how do you keep them engaged is through a process called suggestology. I learned this from one of my other mentors. Uh, he says it is not about, if you look at the root word of education, it is not about jamming in, but it is about bringing out. The word root word educator is to bring out. So every three, four minutes, whenever I teach, or even my students, when they're doing this, they engage in the form of comments. They ask people to type in the comment box, what do you think about this? Or every few minutes, put them into an exercise, an activity, and then do something and come back. So when there is this, you know, this whole thing of a two-way interaction, where you're keeping the attention span, like every three, four minutes, Uh, without letting them zone out into Facebook or WhatsApp or doing something else. uh, That is the big mindset shift. And most teachers who are like the typical lecturer format, in most of those cases, I've seen like where they have that mindset, they expect that the audience is going to be listening to them. They actually lose them completely. So it's about really keeping it like two-way interaction, asking people to comment, uh, giving them some exercises, making them to download something, and then maybe bringing somebody on, ask them to share, okay, what did you learn? looking at all of their faces. So all of these elements are a huge mindset shift. And again, a technology mindset also is an important thing. Many people, they feel, oh, I'm not technical. I'm not sure if I can do this. So huge shifts in not just the tech space, but even the way the interaction happens. Absolutely.
0: Instead of in the Indian context, there have been several practical issues also. For instance, women teachers were expected to do housework during the lockdown while classes were on. And there was great disturbance in the background because of their home setups, etc. So, You know, how do
1: you deal with that? Yeah. I mean, it's not just for teachers. I think it's for all work from home professionals also, right? So they are having a conversation or a call from the US and then the kid is just shouting in the background. So yeah, I know it's a challenge, but the best thing is I think now people have been able to adapt to that. And now there are tools that I found recently, it's called CRISP, K-R-I-S-P dot I-O. You just install that on your system, on laptop or whatever. And it's a AI based engine that cancels out all the background sound. You know, and it does a pretty good job, whether it's a traffic sound or dogs barking in the background or, you know, babies crying. So, of course, there are technology Fashion tools in the Indian homes. Yeah, and Indian homes. Yeah. And all the cookers, uh, you know, whistling in the background. All of that is definitely going to be there. But yeah, if we have tools like this, but also I think now people are aware that, okay, now this is like the new normal. We need to have like a proper home office. Even for me, I have a proper home studio that is set up. So before I do a webinar or a call or any kind of teaching that I do. I tell my family here, I'm just getting into a call and I have two boys. My first one is nine, second one is three. So he comes at me and asks, dad, is it a big call or is it a small call? I said, okay, it's a big call. Big call means for him, it's like, okay, no disturbance. Small call means I'm just having a conversation with somebody. So I think it's about even parents now or even who have kids to probably tell them what's coming up. But yeah, this is like the new normal. And I think we are adapting well into it. And yeah, it's good fun.
0: I've already spoken about the lack of training for government school teachers. Could you give us a sense of what training teachers are given in other parts of the world before they make this? show? So,
1: no, I've been fortunate enough to learn, you know, from people like Blair Singer, who's also known as the master of masters. Like he's trained many of the world leaders. Uh, he's Robert Kiyosaki, he's uh, one of his rich dad advisors. So I've been through his Train the Trainer program. And uh, he has taught like many, he has trained many thousands of teachers abroad in the US. Uh, in the Far East and many other places. I've also had the fortune to learn under Jack Canfield also. He's also having his own trainer program. The author of the book, Chicken Soup with the Soul and uh, Success Principles. And one pattern that I see that uh, all of these great teachers that they talk about and even in their programs and their students is, it's about, you know, your curriculum needs to be engineered in such a way where it provides a journey or path for your students to reach a particular goal. Like, for example, if somebody is a coach, like a digital coach, they need to have their students going from point A to point B, what can they teach so that they can make that as a path of least resistance? Okay, so I've seen many of these great teachers, the way that they train their other students, it's not about volume of information, but it's about simplification of concepts, especially now in the online world, you know, that's a big thing. Attention span is very, very important here. So what I see is right now, the main training that our teachers really need right now, it is not about just following a script or a curriculum or what's been given by the school or whatever. They need to now look at how to teach that in a more sublime and simple way. And I'm bringing back the same point, how to make it more engaging. And this is something I've seen all the world leaders do really well. And me going to haven't gone through many of their programs over the years, I can see that, uh, you know, my effectiveness in my trainings has been because of all of that that I learned from there. So yes, it's about uh, simplification of knowledge.
0: But in that context, in this shift that we're seeing from, you know, physical classes to digital classes, isn't the connection between teachers and students lost most often? I know you already touched upon it to some extent, but how do you ensure that it's built online and it stays consistent over a period of time?
1: Yeah, Uh, that's a very good uh, question, Ashraf, because now... While on one side, if the teacher is not having the ability to keep the attention, the student zones out and the impact is not created. On the other side, like what I do right now is, for example, in my community, I run something called the hackathon. Okay? A hackathon typically has between 800 to 1000 people where I coach in one go at the same time. But what I've done is in this hackathon to ensure the impact is delivered, when they register for that, I group them all into teams. Okay, so I make them all fill out Google form and everybody fills a google form and i batch them into groups of 10 10 10 10 10 people and once they know that they are into teams each of these groups of 10 they create their own whatsapp groups okay and they're all like accountability partners and what uh, ends up happening is even though i'm teaching them after i finish the training i give them a recording and replay of the session those 10 people which we have divided them into groups are given names for the different groups they ensure that each one of them complete the assignments and tasks before they come the next week so what I've seen right now happen, like this is one example of gamification, creating digital virtual communities on how it's possible. It's one of the ways. Another way where I've seen uh, trainers do is uh, my own mentor, Blair Singer. When he does an online training program with seven, 800 people, he teaches a concept and then he puts people into breakout rooms. So in a breakout room, there may be five or six people and he gives a specific time. Okay, He says in the next uh, six minutes, I want you to discuss with the other person what already learned. Okay. And through that interaction, once the six minutes is done, then they bring everyone back from the breakout room. And then he opens up the room and asks them, okay, what did you learn from this? And you know, some of the major breakthroughs have happened because most people have learned more by sharing their experience and learning from the fellow members than from the trainer themselves. So I think that is a very key factor on uh, teachers learning this skill on how not to just deliver information, but also to look at you know, breaking them into groups and creating some kind of online group exercises where they don't need to go anywhere, but they can just, you know, engage and interact with fellow members. That's going to be a game changer. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the connections that you build normally in class should also be built online, I think is what you're saying. Yes, yes. At the, at the, at the primary or, you know, at the school level, essentially, so that what about individual attention? It's something that, you know, we talk about a lot. And again, it's not the easiest thing in an online setup.
1: Yes, yes. Now, individual attention is definitely going to be a big challenge. As, and especially in a live classroom, the teacher can gauge the student like when they're zoning out. But here the teacher cannot gauge to that extent unless the whole way that you teach is systemized around maybe putting students in a hot seat. Like for example, in my, you know, in my leadership, I have a council called the Leadership Council. My premium you know, customers are there. And then every Monday, I put people on a hot seat, which means like everybody's watching, around four or five hundred people are watching. But then I work with one person. And I ask them, okay, what challenge are you facing? And I do like a one-to-one session with them. But while everybody's watching, everybody's also learning at the same time. So that is, I feel that in my case, I'm able to give that one-to-one attention not to all because I have more than 10,000 members in my community. And I can't give attention to all of them, but at least my core members were very, very serious. And uh, you know, I can give them one-to-one attention, but it's one-to-one and one-to-many simultaneously. So all those who are watching for them, it is also very engaging to see, okay, what, how am I addressing their issue? And they're also learning at the same time. So I think that's a very crucial point on how to keep that individual attention. But overall, from a student-teacher perspective, it is definitely not like like the regular school. They have to find ways and means to bring back their attention for them. Yeah,
0: Yeah. And also body language. I think a lot of communication and therefore teaching is dependent on body language. Expressions, tonality, etc. This too seems to be a casualty in online teaching.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, even now when I'm speaking to you, even though you may be listening to this podcast, I'm moving my hands, I'm moving my body. And I think that's what teachers need to do. Even sometimes what I do when I'm recording a podcast, also sometimes I like to stand and do it. Because when I'm standing, I can use my gestures and body. And even though people may not see it, but they will be able to feel it on the other side. So yes, you know, body language, tonality, the way that you teach, all that is, I would say it's more than 80% of the impact is created in the non-verbal communication and 20% only the verbal communication and the words that you speak. So yeah, now I've seen a lot of my trainers also doing standing workshops, standing training. You have you get these uh, computer desks now where you can completely stand and do things. Now that also gives an opportunity to express yourself more in the digital space, even though it's, uh, you know, it's going to be happening online and people are on the other side. But yeah, it's a big casualty, like you said, teachers who are just, you know, with the old format or old school way of uh, teaching, they really need to, you know, upskill themselves on these areas.
0: In fact, uh, all these reasons that we just discussed, uh, there is a perception that digitally delivered education is not effective. Uh, How do you respond to that? Mm.
1: My only response is you cannot standardize that it is not a norm. It, It is about who is the teacher. Like even in school, I remember I out of some seven or eight teachers, I had my favorite teacher. Like I'm sure even in your case, like because it was about the way they were able to engage with us. So the same thing even happens online. You cannot generalize saying that online is not effective. For me personally, it has been like super effective uh, because I learned from my mentors completely online. And I met my mentor again in the U.S. only after maybe around one year of learning from him. But everything happened online and he changed my life. You know, his name is Vic Strice is from the U.S. And I followed all of his systems, all of his steps. And, you know, I was able to really absorb that knowledge and information in a very powerful way. So it again depends on the teacher and it depends on how they're able to bring that information to the students.
0: Right. There is an opposing point of view that online learning can actually be more effective than offline learning. So how do you respond to that uh, opposite point of view?
1: Yeah. See, that opposite point of view is more about the reach. Like previously, I used to do a lot of speaking engagements, traveling, you know, all over the country doing live stage events we would have like probably 800,000 people in the room. We did one event in Mumbai, Sahara Star, also a few years back with success Gyan. I used to work with them as a, one of the speakers. Now this weekend, this Saturday, we had an event called Super Supergrowth Summit and we had 15,000 people on Zoom. Okay, so that kind of reach, I don't think anyone can achieve with a live situation. You know, just the banquet fees itself. I don't think there's any hotel that can handle that many people. You need a stadium. So, yes, you need a stadium for that. And we actually did that. And this is our fifth round. We did that kind of an event where we had oh, right through the event, we had over oh, 15,000 people come and go. And so that is like the leverage and reach that is possible with online is unmatched when it comes to offline. But of course, if you want to have like a deeper interaction, like masterminds, where you do a retreat, where you bring people together and you know you have live interaction that has its own magic. A lot of my transformations happened even in the offline events. Like when I used to, I went to Thailand once, it was a five-day event where there were four amazing trainers and I learned from them on communication and stuff. Now that kind of an experience online cannot duplicate because... They literally put me on the stage, they made me speak, they ripped me down and they asked me to do things multiple times. That thing, you can't do it uh, you know, online. You need to have that offline experience. So that's pros and cons of both. Online, reach is amazing. Offline, probably the impact is much more over there.
0: Since you're on the subject, Siddharth, uh, we know of video connection tools like Zoom, Google Meets, Microsoft Teams, etc. But there are other more accessible apps for the general public like WhatsApp, for example. Can that also be used for teaching? And if yes, how?
1: Yes, you need to look at how you want to use that particular medium. For example, I have a few colleagues of mine in the digital marketing space who run these five-day WhatsApp classes. So they get people to register for a training. Let's say somebody wants to lose weight or they want some kind of a coaching or they want some business coaching. So they register for this WhatsApp class and they get into a WhatsApp group. In the WhatsApp group, every day they send them one video, like a link to a video, where they have to complete watching that video and then they come back and share in the group whatever they learned. So it's like a group learning that happens. But again, it's not monitored like in the Zoom format, like what we do. And then once they finish all the basic assignments, uh, then they come to a live Zoom session where the trainer gives more information and probably sells his product or his training or a advanced coaching program. So WhatsApp is a great way to pre-frame or nurture an audience that is cold into the subject matter and to know who is really serious. So WhatsApp is a great medium for sending videos like that. I've seen other mediums, like there's a platform called teachable.com, uh, where you can even load your own courses. Like I have my, all my courses sitting on that particular platform and mapped it to my own domain. So I've given away free courses. That's also a good way. And I can track, okay, how many students have watched the course? In which video? When did they drop off? Who all completed the course 100%? So I can track a lot more details about my students on a learning management system or an LMS. So yeah, there are many different ways to learn. Uh, Live learning is over Zoom and Google Meet is one format. But there's also other ways where you can put them on an LMS learning management system for them to learn apart from WhatsApp and chat-based mechanisms. Yeah.
0: So that all this that we're talking about may prove pointless without adequate digital infrastructure. After all, we are a country where classes are still held in the open in many underprivileged or remote areas. So all this seems a long, long way away. What's your advice to the government on digital infrastructure for teaching specifically.
1: Absolutely. I think the infrastructure starts with not the technological resources, but the human resources. Because if you look at technology right now with 5G and the mobile and penetration into rural India, and all of that is already happening. You know, it's like the internet access is there. And of course, there are some areas that still need it. Smartphones are getting cheaper. And there's so much of accessibility that is there. So I think the first area, if I have to like give advice to the government is to, is... For them to really make a policy or something where there's a proper program where the teachers can get upskilled and build the human resource of teachers who are not just skilled in the subject matter, but who are also skilled in technology and are also skilled in delivery style also. Because there are different delivery styles. So it's, even the communication skills is very important. So when the soft skills you know, blend with the hard skills and that becomes into a proper system, I think the other things will fall into place like Zoom and you know, laptops and internet access and all of that is already happening right now in, in our country and, and the access is there. So I think that's the only main thing I would focus on is the human resource. Yeah.
0: And can the private sector help uh, bridge this gap, especially when it comes to government teachers?
1: The way that I look at it is, uh, yeah, it depends on what kind of companies are going to be supporting this. So if you're looking at, Say there are platforms like Simply Learn and many others who are already doing a lot of work in the, you know, e-learning space. If those kind of companies can come in and provide, you know, trainers or they can provide trainers to the government to help the regular teachers to move up. I think definitely private sector with government can be a really good fit. But again, it depends on what's the mission of that private sector company. So there has to be a something in it for them. Like, yes, they can do it for a cause, but if they're in the same domain, that'll make it even better. That's my view on this. So, yeah. There's always room for this. But what I see is that you know, overall, you know, companies have their own agendas, but ultimately the power is in the people. And that's why I've taken on this route where I want to empower every individual to be able to be a good teacher. So no matter what policies the government makes on education system and everything else, but ultimately it comes down to the person who's teaching that. So I think the power is in the people more than anyone else. And if more leaders are created, the people can actually create systems and they can create change. Like right now in my community, I have like more than 10,000 people and a few of them already have communities of 4,000, 5,000 members of their own. Like an individual having a community of 5,000. That's where the impact is actually created right now. So yes, uh, public uh, sector, private sector, all of these have a role to play for scalability, for branding, visibility. All of that is possible. But yeah, it comes down to the creating more leaders.
0: So Sadat, tell us about your work and also uh, your book,
1: yeah, so the work I do is primarily to create a new breed of teachers because I do not come from the formal education system. I failed my 12th grade. I scored 28% in my maths board exams. Even till today, I'm not a graduate. But the irony is I have IIT guys, am guys learning in my platform, in my community, and now they are creating their own ecosystems of teaching others with their knowledge. So... You know, the work I do is to prove to the world that there are many paths to achieving a goal. You don't have to go through the formal education system because I do not come from a formal education system. And the only way to change and reform the education system is by creating a new breed of teachers. And because I learned from my mentors who are implementers, okay, I was able to achieve results. Where if you look at the traditional education system, there are a lot of people who are teachers, but like, for example, MBA teachers, they would have not even run a business. So, I mean, yes, there is theory over there, But when you learn from somebody who has actually done it, that has a higher impact. So again, the work that I do is to empower people to take that knowledge and skills that they already have, and to convert that into digital coaching, uh, you know, models, and not just to sell products or sell coaching, but to build communities and build tribes. So I'm looking at this in three phases of growth. So the first phase is what is happening right now is, you know, I'm empowering a lot of people to build their own online communities can okay, build, create their own products and programs where they can individually manage it on their own. The second phase where I see it happening is, is this phase, like the internet is like a big ocean. Okay. Facebook is like one big continent. Now it's going to be, become metaverse. Okay. That's going to be like a big continent. Now, what I have right now is a small island called the internet lifestyle. We're a small little island with probably t- ten plus thousand people. I want to see many people build their own small, 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 small islands on specific topics. And the third phase is when these islands start to collaborate with each other so for example i am doing a lot of work with success gyan and we are helping each other and i have people in my community who are cross pollinating with each other so one person is building their influence another person building their influence they start to invite each other in each of their tribes and they start to grow their uh, influence together so that's the third phase and i think when this happens probably in the next 3 to 4 years i feel parents will start to think about whether they should put their kids in school why not they put them in one of these islands Like if I have to teach, uh, get my son to learn stock markets, let me put him in one of these experts, place. If I have to teach him about entrepreneurship, let him go to some other place. So I feel this is going to reform the whole education system and this leading into reforming the employment system where people will feel more fulfilled with what they're doing. And uh, I'm sure you know right now the statistics, the number of people leaving companies right now is at the highest record ever. So I think everything can get fixed if we are able to fix the leaders. I think they're calling it the great
0: resignation.
1: Yeah, it's a great resignation happening right now at this time. So yeah, that's the work I do. And uh, the the book that I wrote, which is called You Can Coach, is where I detail out the entire system on how I was able to build a community of over 10,000 people within a span of two or three years, and with a lot of case studies and more than 25, 30 different uh, models of implementation, which is more specific to digital coaching, digital training, everything has been covered right from how to find your topic and niche, how to design curriculums, how to uh, plan your launch phase. How do you attract leads? And then how do you build your own online community and nurture your community and make it a profitable knowledge business? So that entire end-to-end spectrum is covered along with more than 22 interviews of industry leaders in that book. So I'm really honored to have interviewed uh, people like Jack Canfield, uh, Dr. John D. Martini, Blair Singer, and uh, some other industry leaders. So I got some very good perspectives beyond what I have to really give a very wide you know, view for people to understand how to get into the space.
0: Yes. So, so, that here's a question I ask all my guests at the end of the conversation. Why do you do this work?
1: It was the year 1991. I came back from school one day. And uh, I went home and my grandpa was sitting in the hall. I love my grandpa a lot. And uh, I went and asked him, Tata, why should I go to school? I asked him. Now, my grandpa used to work for the Britishers. And then he quit his British job. And then in 1952, he set up his own business in Bangalore. And he was very successful. Comes from a large family. Seven brothers, five sisters, like... Cricket team with substitutes, you know, big joint family, and uh, I still remember when I came back. My grandfather, he was a very successful businessman because he used to read a lot of books. When I asked him this question, Tata, why should I go to school? He quoted Mark Twain and he said, "Sid, never let schooling interfere with your education. Whether you're inside school or outside school, keep learning." Now, as an eight-year-old kid, I did not understand what he was saying, but when I fast forward my life and I look back at my life right now, you know, I dropped out of college. I went to the music industry. I've gone to the digital industry and now I'm doing this and none of the stuff I've learned in in the schooling system or the education, okay? And one of my favorite quotes by Jim Rohn, he says, formal education will help you make a living, but self-education can help you make a fortune. And that message went so deep and my grandpa told me, when I look back at it, I'm literally living his message. So why I do what I do is because I want to carry forward my grandpa's legacy. He's helped a lot of people. I want to help a lot of people and I really want to, you know, You know, show the world, like if I can do it, like I'm in a sense, like I've not gone through the grind of the education system, but I'm now I've been able to adapt to the changing times. And I went from one industry to the next. And with my passion and teaching being the core, if everybody can do that, if everybody can take that area of passion that they have, and they can convert that into a profitable business, I think we're going to be living in a really amazing world. So yes, my grandpa's uh, influence has been on me. And I want to carry forward that legacy. Siddharth, thanks so much for being on the show. Teachers are
0: naturally crucial to the success of any new learning paradigm. So thanks so much for helping us understand that better.
1: Thank you so much. So yeah, if any of you want to connect with me, you can connect with me. I would highly recommend you pick up my book, which is uh, You Can Coach. You can go to youcancoach.com. And I also share a lot of advanced uh, tutorials on my YouTube channel. So you can just look me up on Siddharth Shekhar, Just find me on YouTube. And uh, that'll be the best place for you to get some in-depth knowledge on all the tactical stuff that I am teaching over here. Uh, I have more than 300 videos and a lot of success interviews of my students. So mm-hmm. feel free to dive in and uh, stay
0: connected with me there. Thank you all for listening. Please visit allindiansmatter.in, that's A-L-L-I-N-D-I-A-N-S-M-A-T-T-E-R.in for more columns and audio podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ashraf Engineer, that's A-S-H-R-A-F-E-N-G-I-N-E-R and All Indians Count, that's l I n d i a n s c o u n t. Search for the All Indians Matter page on Facebook. On Instagram, the handle is All Indians Matter. Email me at editor at allindiansmatter.in. Catch you again soon.